0: And welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that
1: would be you. It would, hello, and as always, we are joined by producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. 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 Coming up on today's show, the Instagram post
0: that made everyone turn on Chris Pratt. Emrata reveals her connection to a controversial billionaire. Influencer Ellie Miles is called out for fake her SponCon, a Bachelor fan saw Brooke Blurden entering a certain contestant's home and the fallout from Astroworld. Travis Scott's festival turns into a complete nightmare. But first, Zara, how was your week? It's
1: always a good week when you can do things and go out. So very much trying to find the flow of socialising, not draining my bank account, doing all of the above. I also feel very much like it's that time of year where... Everyone's a bit tired and I find myself being like, don't get irritable, don't get irritable. <laughs> I am very tired. Yeah. I Why think are we also tired? It's the 10th of November. You, you know you're not close enough to the end. Work's about to get crazy and so everyone falls for a scam on Instagram that is, here, <laughs> post a photo of your pet
0: and we'll plant a tree. Now I would love to sit here and be smug and be like, I knew this was bullshit from the second <laughs> I saw it. I was sad and complaining to Mitch about this a couple of nights ago because I saw the trend and if you missed it, What happened was on Instagram, there was a sticker that you could share that instructed people to share a photo of their pet. And in return, this mysterious business, I at the time thought it was Instagram and literally Mark Zuckerberg promising this, they will plant a tree for every pet photo. And I was desperately trying to share a photo of Benji, being like, I want to fucking plant a tree. And I couldn't. And then I was complaining to Mitch, being like, I don't know how to do this. It's not letting me do it. And then two days later, I found out it was a total piece of bullshit. And oh,
1: I'm so surprised. <laughs> you know what this means? Because I saw it. I have to say, I actually saw it quite early. Oh, sure. Uh, I saw it before it was a thing. (laughs) No, I saw it when it had maybe 40,000 photos and I feel like... You're that person who's like, I like Taylor Swift before she was a pop star. I like Taylor Swift when she was on Triple J. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That never happened, by the way. So I saw this and I was like, oh, this is like a hilarious one of those like chain mail things. Remember when you used to send emails around? And you know how like, I don't want to sort of group a certain age demographic of people, but there is a certain age demographic of people who are a bit older than us on I Facebook. don't want to be
0: ageist, but let me be ageist for a <laughs> second. You tend
1: to fall into the trap of thinking that these things are real. Yeah. You're of that age now. Yeah, well, apparently I am. And
0: I, this is worrying for our business. I'm the head of social media at Shameless. I didn't know that just random people can start stickers. Apparently what generally happens, if you start a sticker that people can share to their Instagram stories, it's supposed to show the Instagram profile. There was a glitch in this instance. So it came up with no profile. It was completely unbranded. And that's why... I thought this is Instagram and that's why it's going to get so big. It wasn't. It was a
1: random like Alibaba jewellery company. Yeah, it was a random guy who I think is registered to live in Florida who has this sort of website that says that for every necklace is bought he will plant a tree but there is very little evidence about any trees at all being planted and also some of the necklaces you can buy are free yes all you have to do is pay for shipping i'm like this sounds real (laughs) all of it sounds real i do have a recommendation this week now i am going out on a limb here I was thinking this week, you know what, what the hell have I even been consuming? Nothing immediately came to mind. And it was because the thing that I was consuming the most didn't feel the most obvious to recommend. Now, uh, <laughs> what a weird setup. <laughs> <laughs> because My like... face just did all silent kind of funny things. <laughs> because Michelle would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, so I'm actually recommending a commencement speech from 2005. One of the greatest commencement speeches of all time. Now, the reason I'm recommending this is because this, you can listen to this as a podcast. You can read the transcript online or there's a, little book that I have of this commencement speech. And mum and my brother, Joel, will laugh so much at this because they'll think I'm jumping on their bandwagon. But they've had this little book of this commencement speech for about 10 years and think it's like the best thing that they've ever read.
0: A second for a dumb question, if you'll Please allow Please throw them at me. Commencement speech. You Is know, that for the first year of university <gasps> where you're
1: welcoming the new students? Well, they call it a commencement speech, but isn't it like when the students are graduating and they're uh, being sent yes. out into oh, the world? there's a great Tim Minchin one. Yes, There's yes. also a good Andy Sandberg one. See, you know, <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. Okay, great. So maybe you guys might be the audience this one's from 2005. It's from the writer, David Foster Wallace. And mum has had this on her bedside table for 10 years in a little book marked up. And it was so funny because a couple of weeks ago, this came back into my orbit because we were at her house and we pulled out the book and we looked at how many pages were highlighted and every single one had a poster. <laughs> oh, and basically it is called This Is Water and you can find it, as I said, in so many different places. And I've started to go back and listen to it a couple more times At this point in the year, because as I said, I'm irritable, I'm tired, I'm coming into Christmas. It sounds a bit like moralistic, but it's like a lovely way to remind yourself that you are not the center of the universe. It is a lovely way to remind yourself how to be really present, about how to actively choose how you think. And I honestly think it would make everyone's lives a little bit better if they listened to it. Are you going to write a self-help book now? Well, (laughs) that was why I said I was a bit nervous to bring it. Do you remember when I tried to bring like something philosophical and a recommendation and then absolutely like cooked it? From memory,
0: was this one you butchered? It was like a philosopher's ideas on the world and you just tried was... to re- like reiterate them to me and you re- completely butchered it I
1: think it was about romance as
0: well <laughs> <laughs> anyway I do want to add to that though I agree this is a prickly time of year like there is just shit going on that can really rile you up and make you feel particularly tired I have repeated the mantra to myself I am a rock in the river like a thousand you times. have said that heaps yeah Evelyn said it to me literally one day she's like whatever I'm trying to be a rock in the river and I was like what do you mean she's like I just let things flow over me and I'm just there and I'm fine And now I'm like, I am a rock in the river. I am going to get through this shit and I'm not going to let it perturb me. I'm not going to let
1: it disrupt my day and my mood and everything will be okay. Well, the thing about this speech is it's really, I guess, quite simple. And that's why it's done quite well. But I really needed to hear... This idea that it's like, yes, at every point in your life, you are the center of your own universe. Everything happens with you at the center of it, either behind you to the side of you in front of you. But it's like you can actively choose not to see the world from that vantage point, And that will probably make you live a better life. So as I said, it sounds a bit high horsey. I promise you it's not. It's really a good listen or read great recommendation. It sounds good. It really does. Out of left field, but a good one. Very out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> Quite nerve wracking. How was your week? What are you recommending?
0: I mean, it was a great week. I've just been pumped for Taylor Swift to release her red so Taylor's true. version album. When Zara got into my car today, Annabelle, I was blasting red, the Scooter Braun version. So I felt a little guilty, but I'm really getting into the mood, getting mm. into the moment when Taylor releases her new album and I'm ready to binge it back
1: to back to back. So am I. Yeah. So she did this thing on tiktok i don't know if you guys saw it this week where she accidentally uploaded the audio to all too well for 13 minutes and then took it down and i was like (laughs) taylor swift has never done anything accidental in her entire existence
0: not at all like Mm -hmm. that is so intentional and it's also so so clever if you want more Taylor content, stay tuned. We are working on something that will come out in a couple of months' time, Zara, for Scandal. but <laughs> <How's> my... <laughs> that for a
1: long run-up? <laughs> I know, I was like, are you guys releasing a song? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah, literally all too well, Michelle and Zara's version. <laughs> my recommendation for the week is not as highbrow as what yours was, Zara. It is a sunscreen serum now i'm not sure if you guys have used this before i find sunscreen quite difficult when it's on my face like body sunscreen I don't care a heap. I'm happy for it to smell quite intensely. I'm happy for it to be thick and gluggy as long as it's protecting my skin from harmful UV. I'm happy. My face, not so much. Like I don't want my sunscreen to break me out. I feel like some sunscreens make you look super oily or give you flashback when you have photography. And listeners of the podcast will know, I do love my beauty products, and I think I have found the best facial sunscreen money can buy.
1: Ow! <laughs> oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> Ow! <laughs> I take it back you, did you just morph
0: into a feline <laughs> what happened keep going just, keep going what, did, what just came out of your body it turned into a sound of regret <laughs> and i loved it were you possessed by a demon just <laughs> keep going oh no oh
1: no oh. <laughs> you are tired <laughs> The fear that went (laughs) into our eyes. We always say that time of year at every time of year.
0: Like it's that time of year. (laughs) The fear that overcame (laughs) you in that moment was delightful and delicious and I'm happy we have this video recorded for everyone to relive. All right, the sunscreen. It is called Queen Screen SPF 50 Plus. Super high coverage, you're welcome. Luminizing serum from Ultraviolet. It is like a serum where you even have a pipette. You ah. drop it into your hand. That's what that's called? Yes, a pipette. Like a puppet, but a
1: <laughs> pipette.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that it was called that, but that's amazing. I thought that was just a general oh. science, like year nine science fact. Anyway, it's got a pipette. You drop it into your hand. You put it on your face and it is literally like a serum consistency. So light, yet so full coverage for sunray protection. And oh my God, the way it sits under makeup, the way it feels on your skin, the way it doesn't smell. Could not recommend this more from Ultraviolet. Pick it up. It also has complete five-star reviews, like hundreds of reviews online, all five stars. Thank me later. You are welcome. Not sponsored, as always. Not sponsored at all. Yeah, I will accept free ones, though, if you're listening,
1: Ultraviolet. (laughs) that you are the devil. Hey, let's get into the first segment of the show. We are starting with Chris Pratt and how... The whole world doesn't quite like him anymore. The whole world has gone off Chris Pratt. Context for
0: those who are a little bit in the dark right now. Chris Pratt is an actor, of course, best known for his role in Marvel's Avengers movies. He was also in Parks and Rec. He's been around for a very long time. He was married to actress Anna Faris. She's best known for acting in movies like The House Bunny and What's Your Number?, Very underrated film. What's your number? Have you guys seen it? I've not heard of it. Chris Evans? Yes. Yes. And it's great. So Anna and Chris were together for 10 years. They were married for most of that. Chris Pratt is a devout Christian and based on a number of quotes he's given to the media over the years... That connection to faith and that connection to God has intensified as he's grown older.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we will get to why he's in the news this week in a second, but a little bit more context as well, because I actually didn't know this story about Chris Prattmish. Very famously, he once told Esquire magazine that the reason he believes Jesus came into his life was so that he could save a pastor's daughter who was smoking meth, and I quote, Pouring around. He told the magazine in 2014, I feel like a little bit of my entire purpose was to get her.
0: Yeah. So it's a little bit complicated in that a lot of people have loved Chris Pratt for a long time, but at least over the last seven or so years, he's given some quotes to the media that position himself as a bit of a savior, particularly when it comes to women. And I think that pastor's daughter quote has been regurgitated a number of times particularly that quote about saving her from whoring around feels very loaded and a little bit sexist
1: I don't I hate that quote but mm. anyway so as we know Anna Farris and Chris Pratt divorced in 2017. Very interestingly Anna Farris said later that her hand was forced when it came to the split so mm. take from that what you will
0: mm, A lot of cheating rumors were surrounding this marriage that <laughs> <laughs>
1: Here am I trying to be subtle about it, being like wink, wink, nudge nudge take from that what you will. Well,
0: just Google some of the headlines. There were lots of rumours that Chris Pratt potentially wandered from his marriage to Anna Faris. You've
1: already said it, so it's fine. (laughs) Anyway, so the world loved Chris Pratt for a time, but I think ever since he and Anna Faris broke up, the tide has turned a little bit. Yeah, so on Friday,
0: Chris Pratt found himself in some ugly headlines because he had posted a photo of himself and his new wife, Catherine Schwarzenegger. They were sitting on a couch He is smiling, beaming towards the camera, and his wife is not looking at the camera. She's beaming up at him, like looking at his face and positively glowing. Now, this went out to 33.5 million Instagram followers with the following caption. Guys, for real, look how she's looking at me. I mean, find you somebody that looks at you like that, you know? We met in church. She's given me an amazing life, a gorgeous, healthy daughter. She chews so loudly that sometimes I put in my earbuds to drown it out, but that's love. She helps me with everything. In return, periodically, I open a jar of pickles. That's the (sighs) trade. Her heart is pure and it belongs to me. My greatest treasure right next to my Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck rookie card. Don't fucking ask me. (laughs) which if you know you know is saying a lot it's her birthday in about six weeks so if I don't get her anything I'll tell
1: her to look back on this post love you honey I sent this to you when I saw it and I said there could be an entire language analysis exam just based off this one caption like the many ways you can unpack this there was a really interesting tweet on Twitter from the user Cactus Flower and this got 70,000 likes that said the real political divide in America can be summed up with whether you think this pose from Chris Pratt comes off as A, sweet and normal or B, Cringe and insane. Where do we all sit? B.
0: Definitely be.
1: Absolutely be. <laughs> the thing about this caption, when I saw it, is like, oh my goodness, I've never seen something like this where he has centered himself in the entire post. This is not a love letter to her. It's a love letter to himself. It's a love letter about how
0: well she serves him. Mm. Like it's not saying, I love you for who you are and the individual you are and all the great things you do. It's I love what you do for me. You make my life
1: quite easy and you belong to me like a pet. Yeah, your heart belongs to me and you serve me. I think the other thing about this, what I really don't like on Instagram is when men... And it is men do things like this, like publish a caption like this and then want to turn around later and say, oh, it was just a bit of a joke. Of course, they do more than open a jar of pickles. Like when they paint themselves as this like pathetic partner who doesn't know shit about how to raise kids or how to be a partner, it's incredibly tiring to, to read, particularly when they want to hide behind it being a joke because it's like you know what you're playing into. Yeah. You're playing into a stereotype that is actually real and you are trying to appeal to the same men who actually think that this is funny.
0: Yeah, agree. I think a lot of this caption also reminded me of that Billy Brownless quote from like 2017 and I know this is a niche reference and if you're listening to Shameless from overseas or maybe interstate to sum it up Billy Brownless is an AFL legend in Melbourne there was a cheating scandal a few years back where Billy Brownless's wife entered into a relationship with his best friend. Now, Billy Brownless's quotes about this scandal to the media copped a lot of criticism. And the quote that everyone was repeating at the time was, it's just wrong, mate. You don't touch a man's wallet. You don't touch his wife. I just really roll my eyes at any man who positions his wife as a possession of his. Like, the way this caption read was like one long Billy Brownless quote to me.
1: Yeah, and I think... For anyone listening to this being like, well, maybe we're reading into this too much. It's like, nah, I slightly refuse to say that language does not matter. I like wholeheartedly believe that with this language comes a maybe subconscious, but deeply inherent belief that that is how relationships work. The other thing that was really interesting and a little bit sad, I think, Mish, to see on Twitter as well, was that the post drew criticisms because of its emphasis on the fact that Catherine had given, quote unquote, Chris a healthy daughter. Now, as some of us know, Anna gave birth prematurely to their son Jack in 2012. The baby had to spend one month in NICU before the two could take him home.
0: And he has ongoing experiences of disability to this day.
1: Yeah, and I was like, that is an incredibly hard thing for people to swallow Mm. and to read. I don't know, I think for Chris Pratt, it's like the total lack of self-awareness here is probably why his reputation is not doing himself wonders at the moment. It's because these quotes keep coming out and keep coming out. And it's like, if there's anything we like, it's self-awareness and self-deprecation, but also someone who doesn't bloody center themselves in a caption that's ostensibly for his wife's birthday in six weeks. Yeah.
0: I think as well, maybe this is reading too much into it. This is just what I picked up when I read that healthy daughter line is, I don't know, I kind of felt like Chris Pratt was subconsciously saying that his new wife is a woman of God. She's a devout Christian, just like he is. And together they brought a healthy baby into the world. Anna, who is not religious and has said that religion came between them in their relationship, gave birth to an unhealthy, and I'm putting that in inverted commas, an unhealthy baby. I don't know. It just felt incredibly loaded. And I'm not surprised people had an emotional reaction to that. I do think it's important context to note that Anna and Chris, at least on a public level, are amicable. They've both said some pretty lovely things on the public record about each other. So I don't think we can sit here and not include that. I don't think we can sit here and be like, Anna would be furious or this is definitely (laughs) about their son, Jack. We don't know. All we can say is the language he used was inflammatory and he should have done better. He should have been more careful at like a baseline level. Coming up after the break, MRADA's surprising connection to one of the world's most notorious fraudsters, the influencers who must think we are stupid, and how Travis Scott's Astro World Festival devolved into a nightmare. But first, a word from today's sponsor.
1: And now it is time for the Quick and Dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Michelle, going to get scammed soon, <laughs> Andrews.
0: <laughs> oh, I, what get it. I get it. I like it. <laughs> good job. Good job. Speaking of scammers, my first story. Emily Radikowski was paid $25,000 to attend the Super Bowl with fugitive Joe Lowe. That is from the Daily Mail Boy, oh boy, was I into this story this week. Basically, Rada is doing the PR rounds at the moment. She's doing a lot of publicity because she has a new book out that she's trying to sell. It's a collection of essays titled My Body. For this publicity tour, she sat down with the UK's Telegraph for an interview about how she has commodified that body over the years And there was a bit of an interesting revelation about her connection to one of the world's most wanted men. Yeah,
1: exactly. So here is an excerpt from that article radikowski says businessman Joe Lowe once paid her $25,000 to go to the Super Bowl with him. She was unsure of why she was there, how long she had to stay, and who her agent had to check with at the end of the night to find out whether she could leave. I was on the clock, she says. According to Radakowski, a Victoria's Secret model was at the same party that night pretending to drink shots with Lowe, chucking the alcohol over her shoulder, that is a big Zara <laughs> McDonald tip, <laughs> as she tipped her head back and dancing against his crotch. The model isn't named Radikowski's book, but is thought to be Miranda Kerr. Years later, Kerr handed over a diamond necklace given to her by Lowe, worth $1.8 million, to the US government after he was exposed in a money laundering scandal. He is now an international fugitive. Now, I know that excerpt was quite a bit, but What, all these women get paid to go to the Super Bowl? What, I can't even get paid to go to the fucking AFL?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is the interesting thing. So if you've missed the Joe Lowe story, essentially he is a man connected to the 1MBD scandal. In fact, he's thought to be the architect of that scandal where $4.5 billion – disappeared from Malaysia's economy, essentially. It was stolen in what is thought to be one of the greatest financial scandals in history. Now, Joe Lowe, the architect of that scandal, has been connected to so many A-list celebrities. Not only is he a man who has bought Kim Kardashian a $325,000 white Ferrari as a quote-unquote wedding present for her marriage <laughs> to Chris Humphreys. I wonder if it arrived before the marriage was over. <laughs> <laughs> he also was personally Thanks by Leonardo DiCaprio for injecting the production of the Wolf of Wall Street movie with millions and millions of dollars. He also gifted Leonardo a Picasso painting. He is reportedly the ex or at the very least former partying friend of Paris Hilton and he is the ex-boyfriend of Miranda Kerr. Now we also know he was essentially the sugar daddy, at least for one night, for Emrata. $25,000 to go to an event with him and just be on his arm and be photographed with him. Kind of screams of like a sugar daddy arrangement oh, to me. sign
1: me yeah, off I for days. Say, even <laughs> celebrities
0: need sugar daddies too. Mate, I want to be involved. Joe Low, I know you're a fugitive now, but like, fuck, I'll yeah. take that. Well, I have
1: to say, all probably too good to be true in essence you know $25,000 to go to a sporting game but in reality this guy has been the focus of so much terrible press and terrible allegations that so many of these celebrities now have been questioned by the US government about their connection to him so so in my opinion so not worth it. Miranda Kerr had to
0: return nine million dollars worth of jewelry that he had gifted her and had been on like yacht trips with him around the world. Oh, maybe worth it. I don't know. Oh, totally worth it. And if you want more Miranda stuff, stay tuned for Monday's Scandal episode, Zara McDonald. Very true. My second story, the block finale was hot property for nine fetching big numbers. That is from Cracky.
1: So I know that I said on this mic a few weeks ago, so people are watching the block, but then I turned into one of those people. So (laughs) (coughs) consider this my apology. Dare I
0: say you only need to watch the final episode of the block. Fuck the rest of the episodes. You do not need to be involved for 12 weeks, four episodes a week or three episodes or whatever it is. The final episode gives you everything you need in the neatest two and a half hour package. Like you get the whole story and you get the auctions, you get to see all the beautiful houses. I love just watching the final episode. I,
1: I I totally agree with you. I think there'd be a lot of like literally millions of people who watch every <laughs> other episode who disagree with you. But basically the season 17, 17 wow. season finale had a five city metro audience of 1.555 million. It's well to just over 1.8 million at the announcement of the winner at the end of the episode. Just really big, big numbers. Now the program had actually struggled earlier in the year when it was up against The Voice because remember when The Voice was smashing? <laughs> It, it feels it. like a fucking life. How long does this show go for? Ages, but I don't know the exact amount of time. <laughs> so Mitch and Mark were the winners on the night. This is the kind of show where you see prize money that no other reality show can even rival. They walked away with $644,000 over reserve. They also walked away with an extra $100,000 in their pocket because they won. So a total winnings pool of about $744,000 and four hundred and forty-four dollars or something. Not to make this a <laughs> <laughs> Not to make this about us. It's
0: pretty big money. Would you go on the block with me?
1: Would I go on the block oh, with you? Oh, that would be good I would be TV. so bad at the block.
0: Imagine how cranky we'd get with each other. That's what I mean. Imagine no how many hash browns that. we'd eat. we eat so many hash browns when we're tired. It, we would keep McDonald's, given they're a major sponsor of that show. We would give them that much free publicity just because we're
1: chowing down on hash browns. I would love to go on the block, but I'm so bad at renovating. I'm so insecure about styling. I am also... Deeply insecure about how emotional I get when I'm tired, and <laughs> I just would cry all I would the time. Cry the whole time. I'd be bad at it, but if the producers want to come knocking, I'll have a chat. For seven hundred thousand uh, dollars, I'll do a lot of things. <laughs> yes, but this is the thing: it wasn't just them that won huge money. Josh and Luke, who actually former stars of Love Island, walked away with five hundred thirty thousand dollars as well. Now. The real controversy of the night was this cheating scandal that we might have hinted to on the show before. To recap very, very quickly for anyone who didn't see the show, one of the major reasons I think this show has been so successful this year is because there's been this cheating scandal that has kind of sat as an undercurrent to every single episode. The controversy did start earlier in the season when contestants Tanya and Vito and Josh and Luke, those former Love Island stars, were implicated in this circulating photo of the production schedule. Now, if the contestants have the production schedule... That basically, means they can plan so much further ahead than anyone else. Yeah, so the production schedule laid
0: out what room was going to be in every week. So effectively, Tanya and Vito, Luke and Josh were able to see that and go, Right, we need to save our money because bathrooms are next week, or we really need to save our money because kitchens are in week eight and we don't want to burn ourselves too early. It's very
1: helpful for budgeting. Exactly. Now, nah, this all came out earlier in the season. The whole show had to scrap the production schedule and start again. So annoying. And in the finale, the real story came. Out. So these contestants the entire season were basically saying, oh, Tanya was basically saying, I, this got sent to me by a tradie. I don't know how it came onto I'm my phone. I'm not involved. I don't know how this came into like existence. In the last episode, it became clear that Tanya actually stumbled upon a whiteboard early, early, early days with the production schedule, took a photo and had it. Was responsible for circulating it. And the awkward thing about this, Annabelle, was she
0: lied. Like she got in front of the production team. She got in front of cameras multiple times and insisted she had nothing to do with it. She was also accused of doctoring text messages back and forth to create an illusion that it wasn't her. But she got dates wrong. She got little details wrong. And eventually the twins, Luke and Josh, who took the fall for this scandal for the entire season of the show and really copped it, outed her without telling her... So on the same day they give an interview saying, yeah, Tanya did it. Tanya's giving an interview being like, no, no,
1: it's not me. I'm innocent in all of this. It was wild. Now, clearly no real consequences because Tanya and Vito walked away with $500,000 themselves. You can understand the other contestants were a bit pissed off about this, Ronnie and Georgia, who still walked away with about $296,000 or something were really, really upset about this whole thing. And they kind of had one final parting jab on Instagram when they were writing about their block experience by saying, we hold our heads high knowing we left nothing in the tank, did the best we could whilst playing an honest and fair game. Love that subtle jab. My third story, The
0: Bachelorette's Ellie Miles is called out for an embarrassing influence of fail as she pretends to sip a premix alcohol drink in a sponsored post. You didn't put what publication
1: that's from? Oh, it's obviously going to be from the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> from the Daily Mail. Yeah, so in case you missed it, the 26-year-old former Bachelorette shared a sponsored post for Captain Morgan Rum. One of my favourites, much to the dismay of my <gasps> friends. One Ooh. of my least, I hate Captain Morgan Spice Rum is, I will say, not the not, the not, not Bogan drink. <laughs> I, I should have just said it's pretty and then I love it anyway <laughs> anyway so Ellie Miles was uploading a sponsored set of stories drinking a pre can of Captain Morgan's rum now she kind of held the can towards the camera and said it's that time of day beverage o'clock she then appeared to take a sip from the can but she kind of just breathed in air <laughs> instead of doing anything. She very clearly didn't sip.
0: She didn't even have to swallow. Like she held the can up to her mouth, kind of tilted her hair back and then
1: just started talking straight away. (laughs) Very clearly no liquid entered that mouth. No, it was just a big gulp of air. Now the reason we know about this is because Celeb Spellcheck is kind of back. She's back. (laughs) She's back? Yeah. Wow. She posts, she's been posting a few very kind of specific types of posts which basically focus on influencers who are spruiking products and clearly not using them as they do it.
0: Yeah, dare I say this is The best content from Celeb Spellcheck. I think out of everything she does, this is the most enjoyable, the most lighthearted as well. It's taking aim at people's actions, not taking aim at their personalities. And let me say, she's doing God's work. If you scroll through her profile right now, there are some interesting influencer posts from the likes of Jen Aniston. (laughs) Jen Aniston keeps pushing like con products without using them and Celeb Spellcheck is single-handedly responsible <laughs> for undoing her. And I'm surprised because Jen Aniston wasn't even on Instagram for so long. She's fallen into like the deepest, darkest pits of influencer activity so quickly. Welcome
1: Jen Aniston. We still love her. We still love her. <laughs> Don't we her?
0: My fourth story. Kanye West dating model amid Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson rumors. That is from page six.
1: Pretty funny and quick story, this one. So in case you missed it over the weekend, Kanye West, now known as Ye. He legally changed his name. Yep. He was photographed with the model Venetria in public for the first time. Now, he was attending his Donda Academy debut basketball game. Sorry, what? I don't know. I was hoping either of you could tell (laughs) me what that was. So Venetria is 22 and she has about 400,000 followers on Instagram. This kind of wouldn't be a huge story in and of itself if there wasn't two stories that preceded it that are a little bit confusing. As we know, a week ago, Kim Kardashian was papped with Pete Davidson on a roller coaster, holding hands, which prompted many a rumour that they were dating. But also last week, he did an interview, Kanye West did an interview with the Drink Champs podcast where he kind of said that he wanted to get back together with Kim Kardashian. He said on this podcast... You know, SNL making my wife say I divorced him on TV because they just wanted to get that bar off. And I ain't never even seen the papers. We're not even divorced because that ain't no joke to me. So he's saying he's literally not even looked at the divorce papers yet. He also said, my kids want their parents to stay together. I want us to stay together. But if you look at the media, that's not what they are promoting. That's not what they want. They want it to be a new wedding, a new episode, a new TV show. Yeah. So he's like, this came out like days before then he was, publicly photographed with a new partner. So I'm very confused. That he's saying they've been together
0: or at least his representatives are saying he's been with for quite some time. Very interesting. Venetria is half his age. She is 22. He's 44. And yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, an interesting and confusing story. (laughs) (laughs) My fifth story. A Batchy fan claims they live across the road from this contestant and spotted Brooke moving in. That is from Pedestrian TV. And we need to say this right off the bat. If you do not want Bachelorette spoilers, fast forward. We're going to get our beloved Annabelle Lee to jump in post-production and let you know what time code to skip to. So if you want to avoid those Bachelorette spoilers, skip forward about six minutes. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Accurate-ish. Okay, so now that that spoiler alert is out of the way, this is basically what's gone down this week. So a cheeky little comment was left on a Facebook post that led the gossips at the news outlet The Wash to believe that we now know who wins Brooke Blurton's heart this year. Yeah, so this was a comment left by Batchy
0: fan Alira Howard in the Queen of Australian reality TV Facebook group where she says that she saw Brooke Blurden get out of a car with a suitcase and enter the home opposite her on the street. That home belongs to David.
1: Yes. So she said, trying to be secretive, blinds shut, parking all the way at the back of the driveway, et cetera. But my sister saw Brooke and the suitcases she had in her Instagram story late last week, too, when David was getting her in and out of the car. Now, I do want to put on the record here that I understand we are now relying not just on a random Facebook commenter, but a random Facebook commenter's sister. But they
0: saw what they saw. They said it was David. Yeah, and I back this. I'm literally in awe of you. And I'm also so confused by the shameless listeners who do not say that David is the front runner here.
1: It is a bit confusing. I was very nervous before this season. I said this from the outset. I said, you know, the stakes are getting higher and higher every single year and I get really nervous that I'm not going to be able to pick it. I do get the odd message, Mish, from people being like, but do you just check sports bet? And I will say two things to that. No, (laughs) we did back in batch chat days, but I haven't been allowed to since then because I would feel like such a bloody fraud. So now it is really quite nerve wracking. You'd be the new Joe (laughs) Lowe. I would be the new Joe Lowe. You want to be Joe High? (laughs) I I simply can't. I'm jealous. Annabelle <laughs> Lee. That was actually quite good. <laughs> Thank you. And the second thing is sports bets seem to be getting it wrong anyway throughout the years. Yeah, and I'm just proud of you. I'm proud that you're part of this podcast. I just had to put that on the record because these really are skills coming from my brain and I don't want anyone <laughs> to doubt them. We almost
0: need like a bachelorette boot camp. Like how do you do it? We need a goggle box I've episode. I've tried to tell people every single time. No, because I sit with you and I even watch the episodes and I'm still convinced after every premiere that you've probably gotten it wrong and you always get it right.
1: We don't know yet. We just have Alira's sister. (laughs) (laughs) She seems trustworthy. If you are Alira, what is your name? Alira Howard Howard or Alira Howard's sister, come chat to us. We'd love to get more info. Is that all you've got for me? That is
0: all I've got. jokes. We're not done. (laughs) We're back. This is Mish, Zara and Annabelle who finished the recording a few hours ago and in that time the Daily Mail published this juicy headline. My sixth story. Abby Chatfield shares a very steamy kiss with bachelorette favourite Conrad Bien Stevens during a wild night out at a Byron Bay pub while he is still tipped to win Brooke Blurden's Heart on national TV. Now, obviously, guys, we don't often jump back into the studio once we've
1: already recorded the episode. But it's on theme. It's very much on theme. We were talking about bachelorette spoilers before, and I thought. We can't ignore an even bigger one. So, it couldn't possibly. This story's just broken. The headline really did say it all, and I will always marvel at the Daily Mail's ability to get the entire crux of the article in a headline. But as we just said, there are photos and videos of Abby Chatfield and Conrad making out at the Beach Hotel in Byron Bay on Friday night. So onlookers filmed them <laughs> at the bar like smooching. Canoodling. (laughs) And I was laughing because you can kind of hear in the background of the filming being like, did you get it? Did you get it? I got it. I got it. I got the footage. And I was like, wow. Very relatable
0: (laughs) content. Just
1: like little paparazzis on the
0: loose. And let me say, We're not sure if this is just a pub pash or if this is something more, but what a hot couple. Very into it.
1: Very well well matched. Well, let us say, right, we, it all comes at an interesting time because Abby Chatfield recently let her followers know that she is dating a mystery man. She was in the car with him on Monday, but she didn't pan the camera across to reveal his identity. All we know about him, Michelle is that he is a Gemini. He is a Gemini. This is the direct quote from Abby's Instagram story. She
0: said, Um, how do we feel about two Geminis being more than friends? Is it bad? Is it good? Not that I really care or that I'm asking, but yeah, let me know. She then came back onto her stories to say, We just kissed in the car listening to Savage Garden while he downloaded The Pattern, which is an astrology app, for me. Ugh. Now... We have two separate bits of information. We know Abby kissed Conrad. We know that is a fact last Friday. And
1: we are proud to announce we have a separate fact here.
0: We can announce a shameless exclusive.
1: (laughs) An investigation (laughs) after going onto LinkedIn and Instagram and into the depths of the internet, we can confirm. Well, I wanted to add. So
0: far, we went into this search. We looked up the ABN's lookup database oh by the God. government to God. find out Conrad is a soul trader. Congratulations, Conrad! He's
1: not just a soul trader; he is a Gemini. <laughs> he is a Gemini. Now, he might not be the Gemini she's dating, but I think perhaps if you're kissing a Gemini on a Friday and then dating one on a Monday,
0: I mean, he's the Gemini. This <laughs> is narrowing
1: it down. He had a one in twelve chance of being
0: a Gemini. He is a Gemini. We know Abby's dating a Gemini. We know she kissed him last Friday. Are we investigative journalists yet again? I think we might be.
1: Yeah, look, Conrad or Abby, if you're listening, blink twice. (laughs) (laughs) If you're dating. That was aggressive. (laughs) I just aggressively blinked. That is why they're laughing. Let us know. And now it's the end of the quick and dirty. Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. It was one of the most horrendous stories coming out of the live music scene, well, kind of ever, really. On Friday at Travis Scott's Astroworld Festival in Houston, eight people died and dozens more were injured in one of the most horrific crowd crushes in music history. So what do we know about how the tragedy unfolded? And how liable is Travis Scott for the deaths that occurred right in front of him? And what kind of responsibility do artists have for the safety of the people who come to support them? We are going to dig into all of it, Mish, but let's start at the beginning with Astro World itself, shall we? Yeah, absolutely. Astro World is the brainchild
0: of Travis Scott, the 30-year-old rapper and partner of Kylie Jenner, as well as the father of both of their children, one of which is unborn Kylie is Quite heavily pregnant right now. Astro World is a music festival that he founded in 2018. It's named after his critically acclaimed album, Astro
1: World. Yeah, exactly. Now, when he went to perform on Friday evening, as we know now, there was quite a horrendous crowd crash where eight people were killed and hundreds and hundreds were injured. Now, the dead ranged from the ages of 14 to 27, 25 people were hospitalized. One of the youngest patients is 10 years old. There's another nine-year-old that's in a coma. And as I said, all of the eight people that died are under the age of 30. Just the whole thing is just like incredibly, incredibly tragic.
0: Yeah. Houston Fire Chief Sam Pena told CNN, the crowd, for whatever reason, began to push and surge towards the front of the stage, which caused the people in the front to be compressed. They were unable to escape that situation. Now, this apparently happened in the lead up to Travis Scott appearing. They actually got a countdown put on the main screen. So there was literally second by second countdown to when Travis was coming on stage. And so fanatical was the crowd that as that countdown got lower and lower, the pressure and the push for people to get to the front stage increased.
1: Yeah. And I think what we'll say on the record now is we're not going to get into the nitty gritty details of what happened in that crush itself. I mean, if you want to find that stuff, you can, but I don't necessarily feel like we need to be the ones to say it. I mean, it's quite dark. I think anyone who's been in any kind of crowd crush or kind of crowd stampede experience would understand how dark that stuff can get. So we will leave those details to the side and give you as much as we possibly can.
0: Yeah. Added to the already wealth of stories out there, there is one from TMZ that a lot of people have been talking about. TMZ reported on Saturday that a source connected to Astroworld told them someone in the crowd went crazy and began injecting people with some sort of drug. The Hollywood Reporter also wrote about this. They cited two sources that said police were looking into a drug spiking incident in an area of the festival where the chaos first began. The sources said it appeared to have been targeted at unknowing people and that the crowd surge may have resulted from panic as attendees ran for safety. Now, this hasn't been confirmed. We are still waiting for more information to come out about this. But you literally have a crowd crush incident in the same area where you allegedly have someone going around Literally stabbing people in the neck with a syringe.
1: Yeah, and it's like, dude, both of these things happen separately. Are both of these things connected? That's what's kind of not clear at the moment. So I think what's really, really hard about this story is there was one video that went really promptly viral on TikTok, which is where a young woman scaled up a ladder to the main stage where she yelled to someone nearby. It was a camera operator saying, please stop the show. Please stop the show. People are dying. Another security guard tried to pull her down. Another guy tried to jump up with her and tell them the same thing. And they were completely dismissed and got told to jump off the kind of platform that they were on.
0: Yeah, it's since come out that supposedly the cameraman did call for help, but at least the way these people were responded to in the moment. And I imagine there was a wealth of shock, a wealth of confusion. The music was very loud. But from that video, we can see these people saying, there are dead people in the crowd. Please do something. People have died in that crowd below us that I'm standing next to. Please stop the show. They were met with kind of this blank expression and not much else. The cameraman turned away. Apparently, yes, he did then call his superiors, but I cannot imagine the trauma people have experienced in that crowd. Not just, of course, the people who died were seriously harmed and injured. The people who witnessed that. Yeah. Like, that is horrific that that girl and that young guy climbed up to the main stage. They were that desperate and had their needs not met.
1: It's it's awful. Like I think it would be just so unspeakably traumatic truthfully Mm. I think what's difficult to understand and what a lot of people are asking themselves questions about now is how this show went on for so long when this was clearly happening every piece of footage I've seen from this show is with like ambulances trying to get through the crowd to injured patrons while Travis Scott just kept performing and yes people might want to jump in and say okay well he stopped the show once or twice But everything I'm reading is that there was like nearly 40 minutes before Live Nation, the company that organized this entire thing, were told that the show needed to stop early and Travis Scott actually finishing his set. Like, I am just that confused as to how it takes 40 minutes for that show to stop Mm. and for him not to be contacted saying, let's just call this thing now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Of even more concern is knowing that the local chief of police, Troy Finner, Paid Travis Scott a visit before any of this happened, before the show began, to express his safety concerns. Troy Finner said in a written statement, I met with Travis Scott and his head of security for a few moments last Friday prior to the main event. I expressed my concerns regarding public safety and that in my 31 years of law enforcement experience, I have never seen a time with more challenges facing citizens. The meeting was brief and respectful and a chance for me to share my public safety concerns concerns as chief of police. Now, what Troy Finner is referring to there is a number of people were trying to break into the concert. A lot of people were trying to scale fences and break in. He was sensing racial tensions in the crowd. He was also worried about the pandemic, that there were so many people in this audience and there were no real health and safety guidelines being implemented.
1: Yeah, it took Travis Scott a few hours to release a statement and when he did, he wrote on Twitter, I am absolutely devastated by what took place last night. My prayers go out to the families and all those impacted by what happened at Astroworld Festival. Houston PD has my total support as they continue to look into the tragic loss of life. I am committed to working together with the Houston community to heal and support the families in need. Love you all. Now, I think one of the first things that people recognised with this statement is there was no, sorry, there Mm. was no like actual formal apology. And I think the reason that people felt like that's what he should have done is because of headlines like the ones coming out of the LA Times that says this, For Travis Scott, a history of chaos at concerts followed by a night of unspeakable tragedy. Travis Scott has been charged twice in the past for encouraging his fans to taunt security and to kind of breach safety guidelines at shows. He has a history of this, and it's absolutely remiss of anyone who doesn't want to connect those two things.
0: Yeah, in 2015, Travis Scott was sentenced to one year of court supervision after pleading guilty to reckless conduct charges after cajoling fans at Lollapalooza to climb over barricades and storm the stage. He was literally encouraging a crowd crush in that incident. And we know that musicians are actively encouraged to do the opposite. You should not be encouraged Encouraging fans to do that. It's already such a dangerous situation to have an artist actively inciting that when they're kind of speaking to their disciples. Like exactly. Travis Scott is up on that stage speaking to people who will do whatever he tells them to do. It cannot be overstated just how dangerous that is. In 2017, it was clear that Travis Scott had not learnt his lesson. He was arrested after encouraging fans to bypass security and rush to the stage. That left a security guard, a police officer and several others injured during his concert in Arkansas. Now, I want to talk to you briefly and I'm not a legal expert, so I would really encourage any legal experts to reach out to us on this. At the time of recording, 34 lawsuits have been filed against Travis Scott. Is there a world in which he intentionally did not say sorry in that apology? Because if he admits guilt, if he takes blame for this in an apology, that is very easy for anyone who's filed a lawsuit against him to
1: say, well, then pay up to me immediately. Yeah, absolutely. I think he legally can't take ownership because he will be sucked dry money-wise, but that's a decision that he still can make. He would have insurance for this. It's just kind of a matter, I imagine, about whether that insurance will pay out if they find him to be actually negligent in his role. To make matters worse, I mean, as we know, there's just been a million different stories going around in the wake of this one, but to make matters even worse, Travis Scott's former manager from quite a few years ago, I will say, about 10 years ago, has released a few TikToks about his dealings with Travis Scott. Now, Shane Morris, the reported former manager of Travis Scott, said, "'Travis Scott is the worst person I worked with in my entire music career. Eight people are dead and hundreds more injured after his callous, reckless behaviour at Astroworld. And I hate to be the one to say this, but I saw this coming and I tried to tell everyone.' I am Travis Scott's former manager. I'm the one who had a seizure and I'm the one he left for dead in a basement in Los Angeles. Now that's a story that hasn't been confirmed or fact-checked. But that is what Shane Morris says happened years ago when he worked for Travis Scott. And that has been his story that he has maintained
0: for years. People are just giving it attention now in the wake of yes. what happened at Astroworld. But he has been trying to speak about that and trying to get attention for that for many, many years now. Now, it's hard because on one hand, in my mind, I'm like, well, I don't want to assume the worst. This could have been a freak accident this could have been in a situation where, as being up on stage and having blasting music in his ears, maybe Travis Scott didn't see the situation unfurl in the way he should have. But as soon as I start thinking that, I think of all of the artists who have handled a situation like this so much better and so much safer. And in the wake of the Astroworld nightmare, we have had videos go viral on TikTok of more than a dozen more than a dozen musicians who have been far, far better in a situation like this. Adele, Dua Lipa, 21 Pilots, just to name a few, where they have, yes, had very intense scenarios unfurl at their live gigs, but they have completely stopped the music. They have stood on stage and demanded that people take care of each other and that people let each other breathe and don't push up to the stage. And unfortunately for Travis Scott, that needs to be the expectation. People cannot be dying at concerts, particularly when you have a criminal record of encouraging that exact behaviour. So
1: in Kylie Jenner's statement, she said, I want to make clear that we weren't aware of any fatalities until the news came out after the show and in no world would have continued filming or performing if we knew. I just genuinely, again like you, like I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But to say you didn't know or that you didn't see what was going on, like, were you just not looking? Were you not looking outside of your own orbit? And yes, people could say, but they're artists performing on stage. They're in their own head. It's like, nah, I get that. But it is your responsibility on that stage. When there are ambulances coming through Flashing lights. Flashing lights to be checking on people. There is footage of people passing out right in front of Travis Scott. I actually get really, really mad when I think about it because I think, I was on the periphery of that falls stampede. Were you there too? I was there. We were all at falls. Yeah. Yeah, and I was in the. I remember being in this the tightest crowd I've ever been in my whole life. I remember being separated from one of my friends. I remember my feet not touching the ground, like being completely lifted lifted by other people and like bawling my eyes out at the time because it was so fucking terrifying mm. and I just can't understand how anyone who does this for a job who organizes festivals at the top of their mind isn't thinking straight away this is my one job to avoid things like this yeah. it's not new this is not new this happens all the time and I just I feel so triggered with this story
0: yeah yeah and you're like you were quite shaky when it happened as well because why. your experience well no it's obvious why in this,
1: like I wasn't even like right at the center of it I was on the periphery of that. And it was still really bad. And I think that's what's really troubling.
0: But also if you're being crushed so badly that your feet aren't touching the floor anymore, that is a deeply traumatic experience for anyone, let alone someone who struggles with claustrophobia the way you sometimes do.
1: Yeah, I just think among many things, this is their one key job to keep people safe in Mm. their own space. People
0: who are paying as well. These are paying fans who deserve safety. That is not a lot to ask. And it is not a lot to expect that festival organisers and the artists who profit millions if you saw the profit margins for these events you would be even more sickened by what's happened at astroworld it is not a lot to ask that they have this front of mind and for kylie jenner i don't want to blame her because it's it's not her fault that her male partner was involved in this situation but speaking to kylie jenner for a second she had ambulances in the Instagram stories that she was uploading. Why would you do that? Why would you film something and put it up when you can see someone is being attended to directly in front of you? There is an ambulance directly in front of you. Why are you posting about the
1: music? Well, it's the same for Kendall Jenner for me. So she uploaded two different photos before any of this happened at the festival. Her caption on Instagram was, will you be at the mountain? Then after the tragedy occurred, instead of deleting these photos, she just changed the caption to a mountain an emoji and I actually think all of these things together Travis Scott knowing that there's an ambulance in the crowd and not doing anything. Kylie seeing an ambulance in the crowd, uploading an Instagram story and not realising at the time how deeply insensitive that's going to be. And Kendall Jenner not even feeling the need to delete this photo tells me everything about how they don't feel responsible for anybody else in these scenarios. They literally just live inside their own heads. Yeah. What do we think happens
0: to Travis Scott's career from here? Like will a tragedy like this, given the loss of life, affect his career or will he be able to redeem himself? Because I do think that stan culture, I mean we saw it with Zayn Malik last week and we had a conversation about that. I think stands, particularly stands of musicians, are so fervent in their adoration of those musicians that they refuse, their very tunneled vision, they refuse to factor in any possibility that that musician has made some egregious decisions. There are people on TikTok who are blaming Satanism and a satanic kind of demonic possession of Travis Scott for this incident. And I'm not saying, again, like last week with Zayn Malik, This is not a small group of people. These comments that maybe Travis Scott was possessed by a demon and that's why this all happened have 30,000 likes. Stans will do anything they can to reformulate a story or reframe or refilter a story so that the person they love, the artist they love at the centre of it, is not the villain. Unfortunately, I don't see a world where Travis Scott cannot be blamed on some level, in some way, for the people's lives who will never be the same.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. It will be really, really interesting to see whether this sinks the career of Travis Scott or not, because there are a lot of families grieving right now who shouldn't be grieving at all. So that is all we've got time for. I am very intrigued about people's thoughts about this. I know people will have lots and lots and lots of thoughts about what's happened, probably having been in tight crowds themselves. I mean, we have had a history of this in Australia too, but we've had some things change to sort of hope that it never happens again but yeah I imagine there are a lot of opinions. Well the fact all three of us were at falls that year when that
0: awful tragedy occurred thankfully no one died but people were so badly injured they spent months off work so if you were there as well please come and tell us your story because I remember being really shaken by that and I wasn't even in that direct part of the festival so come tell us your stories. Yeah
1: exactly guys As always, we are on Instagram at shamelesspodcast. You can also subscribe to our newsletter every single Friday. It will drop tomorrow morning if you're listening to this on Thursday at 8 a.m. We have an Ask Shameless column. We have a little sort of what I wore section. A little bit of fashion content for you we all. Just, we just sort of dabble in a few different things. <laughs> you can sign
0: up via the link in our bio on Instagram. You absolutely can. The fear in your eyes there. No, you definitely <laughs> I was like, can. I like, is that in our bio? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening. Annabelle Lee, anything
1: to add? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Guys, we'll be back in your ears on Monday for another episode of Scandal. Bye.